Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Brian Foster on Kardak Radio, presenting the program Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. Hello, this is Brian Foster here on Sunday, July 9th, 2017. And once again, we are here on Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 5 Mountain, 6 Central, 7 Eastern, and then all the other time zones throughout the world. So we are we are coming through through three different areas here on, on our Facebook site, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. We are, are uh, live broadcasting. You can certainly put your comments in there and ask me any question you'd like. We are also broadcasting through Kardak Radio, which you can get on your Apple or Android device by looking up either the Play Store or the uh, Application Store. And Kardak Radio, just look up Kardak Radio, K-A-R-D-E-C, then Radio, R-A-D-I-O. And you can listen to Spirit, Spiritist Broadcast 24 hours a day. They're, they're not all live. Uh, this one is at a certain time. Then they also will replay Sections live on the broadcast. You can also go to the Kardak Radio website, and you can play any of the other broadcasts that have been there. Uh, they're posted on, on that site. The site also is going to go through a redesign, I believe, later this month or in August. So it's all very exciting. And then the last one is Blog Talk Radio, which you can actually call in and ask me questions if you would like to do it through that method. Uh, let me tell you the number to dial right here. It is 858-769-4705. Again, that number to dial in is 858-769-4705. So we have a lot happening tonight, and I think it's going to be very exciting because I have been asked um, by certain people to really talk about why I became a spiritist, what caused me to become a spiritist. But first, let me tell you a little bit about spiritism. Also, as far as I talked, also what it means to me. So let me get into what is spiritism, and then I'll tell you how I found it, and then what it means to me. So spiritism, just for those who are not yet familiar, was first codified by Alan Kardec. That's K-A-R-D-E-C. It's the name of our radio, Kardec Radio. And that was in the 1850s, and he is called the codifier, not because he talked to spirits, but because what he did is he set a, a, a list of questions, and he went through uh, over a thousand questions, and because he was part of spirit uh, mediums meetings, which people talked to spirits, that became very popular in the, in the mid-19th uh, century. And then he said, well, this is interesting. And then he went home and told his wife, goes, you know, this may be real. This is this is interesting. She goes, well, you should start, you know, looking at it in a scientific method. So that's what he did. He started asking questions. And not only did he ask questions, actually what he did is he asked the same question to multiple mediums. He wasn't even there. He said, write down the answers, give them to me. And he did not codify his book until he had the same or similar answers to the same questions. And in fact, when he we used to go to meetings, he went to meetings uh, of these um, y- young women who were uh, daughters of friends of his. And when he was there, it got to be more serious, like the spirits were higher or something. And, and, and finally he was told, look, 
you are on a mission. You will write these things down, and we will use your nom de plume. We'll call it Alan Kardec, and that was your name when you were a druid priest uh, in a previous life. And that's how uh, spiritism was codified. So it's not just one person talking to one spirit. Spiritism really is what's called the third revelation. It's all. It's it's also called Christian spiritism. And what that means is that we really we understand spiritists understand that Jesus Christ is the governor of our planet and other planets besides, and that He came on Earth to help to help us realize the second revelation, and that in the New Testament, when He said. I will, I'll have a consoler come to you and tell you more. The third revelation was Alan Kardec. And what does that mean? What that means is that what Spiritism tells us is that the spirit world, who controls us and watches over us, I should say, we are like a school. And that they tell us what we can absorb at the time. And therefore, the... Old Testament and then other things, all you know, people like Buddha, Socrates, Muhammad, Zoroastro were all messengers. I mean, of of Jesus, all messengers from the spirit realm came and tried to tell us the same thing. In fact, you'll see throughout different religions, you'll see similarities. That's because the message all came from from the same source. These messages were changed sometimes because of humans involved, sometimes because of the culture and technology at the time. So that's why. Spiritism tells us for the Old Testament and the New Testament is uh, always know that the messages of love and kindness and forgiveness or actually whatever religious tests are universal. The other messages such as the Old Testament, you know, the earth was created in six days, etc. Those were only interpreted by the people's technological progress and culture at the time. So I just want to make sure you understand that. Spiritism is... Uh, is wonderful, and I'll, I'll get more into that. So, first, I just want to say once again, you can dial 858-769-4705 and ask me questions live, or just get on this live broadcast and add comments. I will see them on the screen, and I'll answer them as I go. So, how did I become a spiritist? Well, first, let me tell you about myself. Now, you know now, some children you see, and they're calm, and you know, and they just they seem to be uh, more spiritual, right? They're you know six or seven or eight, right? They're not running around creating havoc. They're sitting in the garden thinking. They are meditating. Uh, they're calm and cool, and they seem more mature than the parents. Well, that was not me. I was one of those running around causing havoc. You know, using my magnifying glass to burn ants as I could to see what would happen. You know, playing with my army men, creating creating death and destruction wherever I could with my, my little hands. Where I could, it was possible. So, I want to get that out of the way first. And let me give you a story. So, when I was probably probably five or so, my mother tells me the story. I don't, I don't remember, but she loved telling me the story is I was at a church. Uh, we went to the Episcopal Church, Church of England, at a church nursery school, and we were circling around. We had like a semicircle of chairs for all the, all the little guys and, and, and girls. And we had this book. And there were probably seven or eight of us, and I was like the last person on, on the little roll of chairs. And in this book, it was one of these, you know, you know, 
very simple books. And it was says, you know, you'd see a picture of a giraffe, and then over the picture of the giraffe, you see a picture of Jesus. And they say, okay, that's Jesus and the giraffe. That's Jesus and the elephant. That's Jesus and, you know, whatever picture of it. So you would understand that Jesus was in, in all of us. And so we went to the last page of the book. And in the last page of the book was a little mirror. And you know anyone with a with with a, a, a mind to get along with other people and a social type mind would know. And just like as the first little girl said in that thing, she goes, she looked at that, and she goes, oh. And they asked, well, what is that picture? And she said very sweetly, says, oh, that's that's Jesus in me. And the next person said, that's Jesus in me. The next person said, that's Jesus in me. And I was looking at this picture and I was looking at other people and I was thinking. What are they seeing? It finally got to me. Of course, now my mother was one of the one of the teachers of here. Like there's like three parents, you know, they're all with us. And I, they got to me, and I said, "Well, that's me," and because I couldn't understand what these other people were seeing. They, you know, obviously there wasn't a picture of Jesus imposed over me. It was just me. So. I have been a concrete thinker for a long time. In fact, even later on in church when I was older, you know, in Episcopal Church, a lot of times our brethren would come down the aisle and then get to the, uh, you know, go, go up to the to the podium. And I would tell my, my mother, say, hey, Mom, look, God's coming. You know, to me, our reverend was God. And actually, he was like the nicest person I had ever met. It was actually the Reverend Savile, who was, who was I believe, canonized. He was such a nice person that um, one time that his kids painted his car with all sorts of little flowers. Now, in my like about twelve year old mind, I said, you know, I would have thrashed those kids. You think I would drive a car that looked that ridiculous? It didn't bother him at all. He was just a wonderful, wonderful person, and no wonder I thought he was God because he was probably the closest thing I had seen. Although my parents were extremely nice and wonderful too, but he was just on a whole new level. He was, he was a high spirit. He was one of those who was spiritual to begin with, unlike me. So that should give you a, a little bit of a um, of a feeling of, of where I was at, at you know, during my, my younger age. So now, let's move much later in life. And so when I became uh, engaged or met my, my wife. I met her uh, in, in Brazil. And she and, and she had told me she'd had some experiences and I you know of course I didn't really I didn't really listen. But but as when we got married and, and she was you know uh, about 31 we got married. And she told me she had an experience, a near-death experience, when she was about uh, 17, 18, so many years before. And that as we were married, she would tell me these things like, oh, yeah, that's good. Now, yep, I remember that. That happened. And, you know, being a typical man, I would, I would, you know, just let it go in one ear and, and out the other. And I didn't really listen. I said, yeah, oh, yes, yes, dear. Right. I, I was old enough at that time to, not uh, question everything, right? You know, men do with women. And therefore, you know, I, I ignored it. But then, what happened was, we were going to buy a house. 
And when we bought this house, we, you know, we looked everywhere. I, and of course, I was tired of looking. And we went to this house. They said, ah, this is the house we're going to buy. And so we went back home, and I called the real estate agent. I said, I want to put, we would like to put an offer on the house. And the real estate agent said, no, sorry, there's already two offers on the house. So this was way back at the beginning of the, of the uh, 2000s. And I said, well, you know, honey, I'm sorry. I don't think we're going to get this house. She goes, oh, yeah, we will. I know that's going to be our house. That will be our house. I've seen it. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, the house has three trees in front, and that's the house we're going to live in. I said, well, I don't think so. So then, then, of course, everybody knows what's going to happen in the story. Then what happens is both offers fell through, and we got the house. We drove up to the house, and then I saw, I said, honey, look, there are four trees in front, not three. Ha! So we moved in. About a month later, there was a big windstorm. One of the trees blew down, and there were now three trees in front. Of course, that didn't convince me, but it did like make me, hmm, interesting. Of course, I forgot about that. So let's fast forward a couple, you know, a couple of years. And I think most people remember the Great Recession of 2008. So around 2007, beginning of 2008, and of course, you know, the recession didn't really hit hard. When the stock market went down, it was about October, uh, November of 2008. Around the first part, like January, I I told my wife, I said, you know, um, know, there's some talk about the mortgage, you know, and the house prices being a little bit, Light, but don't worry. Our, the, the management of our bank has said we are just fine. Don't don't even worry about it. And then she says, "Ah, I remember." I go, "What? What do you remember?" She goes, "You are going to work for a bank that goes broke, but don't worry because you're going to work for the same bank with a different name." Now, is that not a specific? prophecy, a specific saying that this is going to happen in the future. That is about as detailed as you can ever get. I did not believe the word of it. In fact, I was so smart when our bank was, was you know, invested in by a, a uh, you know, large hedge fund. I thought, well, you know, of course, we're going to be in great shape. I'll buy more stock. So I, of course, being the genius that I am, I bought more stock. So, Time went on. You know, this was months and months. And then all of a sudden, and then things started getting bad, right? That's when, like, September came, and they are talking about TARP. And then, of course, our bank, Washington Mutual, went broke just like two weeks before the TARP. I can remember my boss and I, my friend, we were walking to the ferry. And then inside the ferry, there was an announcement. People were talking that Washington Mutual was closed by the FDIC and that we were all out of a job. My bank no longer existed. I was out of a job. Every piece of stock that I had bought was now worthless. That's when it hit me. I said, oh my God, my wife was right. At least part of it. So then we went home. I told her, I said, oh, don't worry, they'll hire you back. I said, I, I said no, I don't think so. So, make a long story short, of course, we went 
And, you know, I was eventually let go. They kept us on for a while. And, of course, I was unemployed in, like, one of the worst times that you could be unemployed. It was a very hard job market at that time. And I went to job after job, interview after interview. I was, you know, second line or third. I never got the job. And my wife said, don't worry about it. They're going to hire you back. Well, I was out of work for really a team that, like, attorney to me. But I was out of work for four months. And that, and then I was rehired by a different bank, but with, by the same bank, but with a different name, I should say. I was hired back. So, now, I wish I'd written this down and put this in escrow so I could show people, because, of course, some people say, oh, you're making that story up. Well, I didn't make that up, but that's up for everyone else. To believe, but this was something to me, it was a major revelation in my life. How could I mean, you can see where people talk about, oh, I talked to the, this fortune teller, I'm going to meet this, you know, tall, dark, handsome stranger, or I'm going to, I'm going to go on a trip and have fun, right? All those things that people hear about, and, and, you know, most logical people say, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, whatever. But this was almost completely improbable. Not impossible. I understand it's not impossible, but it's almost completely improbable. The percentage of that happening is so low as to be infinitesimal. Plus, that, given other things she had said before, had made me say, okay, there is something around this. So, I went on a quest to find out, okay, if she knew back years before, years before we were e- even met, and she knew something so specific, so detailed that was going to happen in our life, after years and years and years of me thinking and her thinking that we made random choices, and this was my philosophy at the time, that you know the sum of our life is really... You know, things happen, accidents happen. We make choices based on, you know, sometimes we think it's logical, sometimes in the retrospect it's illogical, but we, we, we fashion our own path into the future. So how could that happen? You know, this is like more than 20 years after she, you know, that this happened, after she had had her near-death experience. That can only mean one thing, that our life is predestined, predetermination. I, who had always thought, when I saw movies and I said, oh, yes, that was written. And I thought, yeah, you, you believe that. You're primitive. You, know, you don't know anything. That was always my first reaction. Now, I'm one of those who said, yes, that was written. Because it happened to me. It happened to me, more of a concrete thinker, right? Especially when I was young. Someone who, you know, I I believed in God and, you know, when I was young growing up and um and teenage and, you know, twenties, etc. But I always thought, you know, we're you know, I, I think there's all must be something more than us than just living and dying and being erased. But I thought if there was a God, it was a very far God. We were like this little ant hole, you know, ant hole down the street that no one ever even cared about. 
So after that, I had searched. I said, okay, I, I looked up everything I could about predestination, predetermination, you know, and reading about what other people said. I, I looked at uh, in the philosophy that, you know, we really live in a hologram and that it's like we're a DVD player and we're the actors in the middle of the DVD uh, film. We don't know. At the present, we're just doing the film, but everything is all set from beginning to end already. And there's many other things like that. They're you know, very interesting ideas. And then I found the Spirits book by Alan Kardec. And I started reading it. I thought, oh my God, that explains everything. I finally understand. I understand what's going on. And I gave it to my wife. And she starts reading it. She goes, same thing I did. It's like, oh my heavens. Now I'll tell you, some people will read this first book and it will just be a flash. Like, this is it. This is the truth. Other people read it and say, I don't really get it. And everyone learns differently. And, and that's why I have uh, written my books to, I think, for people that can get into this in different different manners, right? And one of the books I, I wrote, you can see this on my on my blog site, nwspiritism.com. Again, that is nwspiritism.com. As you can see it on my, uh, on my icon up here. And you can see my books on the right-hand navigation page. And one of them is the case from reincarnation, of how reincarnation works. Another one is uh, explore your destiny, right? All about the spirit world, heaven, what it means, you know, how, how our destiny is set, et cetera. In fact, here it is right here. Explore your destiny. There, I'll spit it there so you can see it. The other book I've uh, written, and this is where I get to more of, of my, you know, own question, my thinking back my life and how my life is predetermined is The Seven Tenets of Spiritism. I would recommend that book for people. But, you know, mostly I recommend you read the Spirit's book and the books by Chico Xavier. And that's what we did. We read Alan Kardec's book. You can find Alan Kardec's book, The Spirit's Book, uh, um, Heaven and Hell, The Gospel According to Spiritism, uh, Mediumship, um, Genesis. You can find all of those on PDF. In fact, you can go to my blog, and up on the upper right-hand corner is a picture of Alan Kardec. It's the same, almost the same picture I have here on my live broadcast up, up in the logo area. Click on that picture. You'll go to the EDICEI bookstore. Of course, you can find all of these things on Amazon, and you can also find Alan Kardec's books on PDF. So you don't have to spend a dime if you don't wish to. Um, so I started reading. I started reading the Spirits book. Now they talked about reincarnation, right? They talked about how our life is set. But they also talked about other things that had bothered me since I, you know, started thinking about something other than just, you know, what I wanted for lunch. And that was, you know, I was thought, you know, and people always make good arguments. Like, you know, if there is a just God in the world, why is there so much cruelty? Well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people and bad people get away with murder, right? And it really, the Spirit's books tells us that it all came, right? It's karma is real, right? For every action, there is a reaction. And that when you see things happening to people, 
it could be because of what you did in this life, right? It could just be in a way things are. But a lot of times it is what happens in a previous life. It catches up to you. So karma does exist. And this helped me understand what was happening to people, right? Because you'll find this nicest person. I grew up with this one guy in high school and he died of cancer at a very early age. Really nice guy. Why would that happen? It must have, the, the answer must have been in some previous lifetime. In fact, I was so I was so um, interested in this. I also wrote a book too about the problem is the solution. Right? What what happens to you? You know, how can you look at your life and understand what is being is is taking place in your life that what you could have caused it by your uh, by your previous actions. And there's some great examples of this uh, by other people. Take a quick break. Excuse me. That's a hard part of live broadcasting. On the radio, I could just play something and then take a break. But here, it's a it's a bit more difficult. So, let me finish our story then. So, what happened then is it explains so much. Is that yes, there are there are um, actions that happen to people, and they look unjust. You know, why do young children die? Why does that happen? Well, there's a good reason for it, and there's there's really good explanations for it. I would think almost all your questions, probably not all of them. But very many of your questions of why things happen the way they do. And what Spiritism tells us is that it's all part of a learning process. And in fact, let me tell you one thing. I want to read you one thing of, of really I thought was a very powerful view and what, what Spiritism means to me. And in the book, The Gospel According to Spiritism, Alan Kardec, there's a passage which really summarizes what it means to us once we really believe in reincarnation and how it changes the fundamentals of everything. This is what it says. This is in uh, chapter 2 of that book, uh, The Gospel According to Spiritualism, a great book. Uh, uh, on page of point of view, page 62. The clear and precise idea that one holds of the future life provides an unshakable faith in the future. This faith carries enormous consequences for the moralization of human beings because it completely changes the point of view from which they consider earthly life. That part's in italic, and it should be. Completely changes the point of view from which they consider earthly life. For those who through their thought place themselves in the spirit life, which is limitless, Corporeal life is no more than a passage, a brief stay in an ungrateful country. The vicissitudes and tribulations of life are no more, no more than incidents which they bear with patience because they know they are only of short duration. Now, he says that it's harder, right? It's harder for us to bear these vicissitudes of life because most of us don't have the patience. I may logically think this is of short duration, but when you're in the middle of things, you know, it, it it affects you. So it's it's tough. You really need to keep learning about spiritism, learning about yourself. Then eventually you can rise above it. 
So I'm handling these things better now. The vicissitudes and tribulation of life are no, no more than incidents which they bear with patience because they know they're only of short duration and they must be followed by a happier state. Death no longer has anything terrifying about it and is no longer a door to nothingness, but rather the deliverance that opens the exile in the entryway to a dwelling place of happiness and peace. Knowing that they are a temporary, not final situation, they accept the words of life with more indifference, which results in a composure of spirit that mitigates their affliction. That is very true. Now, I may not bear everything with happiness. I have not reached that exalted state yet. I, I still have a tendency to whine and complain about bad things that happened to me. I am doing it less. Also, you know, the little things, you know, you lose money here or something doesn't go right there. It's like, it's not a big deal. And what I feel is what spiritism does for you is it lets, lets you look at your life from on top of a mountain. So, and this is also within the writings of Alan Cartek. So it's like you go through a path, right? And you're on this rocky path. You see all these rocks and these obstacles and hurdles in your way. But spiritism lets you kind of climb above that path. And you can look down, and from high above, the path doesn't look that rocky. It's like, oh, come on, you can make that. It's just a path, right? And it's, it's a short short route. It's a short hike. Not that big big of a deal. That's what it lets you look at, because life, remember, Spiritism tells us that we are an immortal soul. What does that mean, immortal soul? What is immortality? Well, it's infinite. So if you divide infinite by our lifespan, you get almost zero percentage. Almost zero percentage of our life is here spent on Earth in one life, right? Actually, it's zero if you want to get down to it, but, you know, points at something. So think about that. Think how short our life is. And then, then Spiritism tells us why we are here. And that is very interesting because then you start learning that we are here to learn and become a better spirit. So let me go on about more about how I discovered spiritism because there's more to the story, how I got even more and more into it. So my wife and I, we go back and forth to uh, Brazil and we went back to Rio. We both started reading uh, the books by Alan Kardec. And then also we found the books by Chico Xavier. So you can find his books. And of course, I would recommend Noso Lar, N-O-S-S-O, and another word, Lar, means our home in Portuguese. There's a movie called Celestial Cities or Astral City. Also, you can find it in Noso Lar, which is a book, uh, I'm sorry, a movie on the book. I would recommend seeing the movie and reading the book. There's a lot more in the book. But it is a fantastic, and it tells you the story, Andre Luis who relates his story about how he died, spent some time in the umbral, or the lower zone, as we call it, was taken to an astral city called Nosolar, which was above Rio de Janeiro, and his life in the spirit world, and how, how the spirits helped us here on Earth, they guided us on Earth. And there's, like, there's a whole series of books, and they're all wonderful, and I cannot recommend them enough. So my wife and I and all started reading these books. We got more and more interested. So we went uh, back to Rio, 
And we went and we said, let's go find a spirit, a spiritist center. We want to see what they're doing. And so we went to the spirit center and we met this wonderful, uh, wonderful woman, Jersey. And she says, okay. Of course, my wife speaks Portuguese. I speak a little bit, not, not very well. But she goes, no, we'll show you what's going on. And she showed us the different places. They showed us how they have spiritist meetings. And, and there's no, like, priest or reverend and, and anything like that. In, in a spiritist meeting, which you're always welcome to come here, right? We have our own little spiritist center. In a spiritist meeting, you have a opening prayer. Then, you, then people, like, read from the gospel according to spiritism. And then you'll have a half hour, an hour talk about a subject that lets you know, okay, you know, the subject will be reincarnation, the subject will be how to ascend, those type of subjects. And then you have a closing prayer. And then afterwards, you'll have, you'll have that, what will usually be in most spiritual centers, they'll, they'll give you passes. And what passes are that you will go into a room and you will sit down and then one of the uh, spiritists will wave his arms, and they will, it's like Ricky, right? They'll wave, and they'll rebalance the harmony and, and your chakras, right? They'll rebalance and give you a force of energy. And I tell you, I love it. It makes a difference to me. Is it mental? Could be. But I don't think so. I, I do feel something different. And the way the passes work is there's a spirit that will stand behind the physical spiritist, and they will direct and use that spirit as that person, that incarnate person, to take universal fluid and give you what you need to reharmonize yourself. And then after then you'll drink some water that had been energized by spirits. So we did this and we said, well, this is great. You know, you know, let's let's explore what's going on in the United States. So then we went and we found a spirit center in um, uh, Seattle. Now, the Spirit Center was full of just wonderful people, just really nice people. And, um, but the only problem was, one, it was a ferry ride away, which can get quite expensive, as people uh, here in the Northwest people know. The other one is they, they really just spoke in Portuguese, or mostly Brazilians who came. And we wanted to open one to get English-speaking people. So we started opening, um, we decided, now let's, let's open one here. So the next year we went back, we went back to the Spirit Center and talked to uh, Jersey, and she, she invited, invited us to uh, a mediums meeting. And in the mediums meeting, we were just not part of the table, right? We just sat, we, you know, we just sat along the wall. Is there was a message for my wife and I. And in this message was very interesting. And of course, let me tell you first, in the spirit, the spirit center, no one asks you for money, right? No one's ever asked us. We've gone to the spirit, the uh, spirits center in Kate, um, Sierra Fraterna. We've never been asked for money or anything. Uh, no one ever directs you. No one ever judges you. It's, it's a great place. Um, I want to go off on one more tangent about spirits. You know, people worried about some of the closed-mindedness and the, uh, the concept of sin in the Bible, like, oh, if you do this, you're a sinner. Spiritism does not like to use, use the word sin. They like to use the word wrongs. And really the wrongs are what your own conscience tells you is wrong. 
And in fact, and remember, Spiritism was brought to us in the 1850s. And in the Spirits book, there was a question, and it was asked, the spirits, you know, the people come back as, you know, mostly male or female. And the answer was they come back depending on what they must learn is that you can come back as either sex. And another question, there was a, there was a question about what is marriage? And they said marriage is between two spirits. They never said, and, and this is in the 1850s, that marriage must be between a man and a woman. Now imagine how radical that must have been in the 1850s. I don't even know if anybody pointed it out. It's probably so radical. But I just want to tell you, so spiritism really is for love and kindness and charity and fraternal, right? Being fraternal and honest with people. And to know when you see someone, even somebody you don't like or somebody you think, oh my God, what is that person? Then you have to think about, well, you know, in a previous life, I could be, you know, if you saw like a robber or a pickpocket, you say, well, you know, I could have done that in a previous life. I've learned more, right? And it, it tells us people are on an unequal basis. Not everybody's equal here. We should all be treated with respect, but people are different because of different level of, of spiritual maturity. So we are all intermixed between very immature spirits who just take what they want, right? That's their first impression because they're young spirits. They go, okay, you know, I don't have to live in my conscience. Forget that. I'll just take what I want. The more mature spirits, they, they will listen to their conscience and they will interpret their conscience right because not everything's black and white. And they'll because that is one of the things that God gives us, is he gives us a conscience to go um use as we are uh, when we're reborn, since we don't have our memories of our past lives. So I went off on a tangent there, but let me get back to what happened at the meeting to me. So then we were told my wife and I, at the end of the meeting, said, we have a message for you. And we were told that my wife and I had been together before in previous lives and that we had failed time and time again. Now imagine that. Okay, this is, imagine going to your fortune teller and you're there with your wife and your fortune teller says, oh my heavens, you guys are real screw-ups. You you screwed up. Not just this life, but many lives. That you know, that's the. It was just like, what? Yeah, we've been told we felt many, many times, time and time again. Portuguese is fully Muslims. And what we had done is we had been in positions of responsibility over people, and instead of being serving the people that were under us, we used them to gain wealth. We went for treasure instead of uh, responsibility and honesty. Uh, that I still think about that every day. And, and this also tells me, and I talk about that in, in several of my books, you know, especially the problem of the solution. I talk about, okay, how can we, how can we never seem to have wealth, right? I have a bookmark somewhere. I always refer back to them in other books. I have bookmarks all over my library, but you know, how come, how come I can never hold on to money? I mean, you know, I don't gamble. I don't, you know, use drugs. I don't, you know, none of that. But somehow it just doesn't ever work. And, you know, the answer is because I did wrong, right? So now I accept it. Now I'm, I'm the middle class, you know, person that has to work. And it's 
good because actually that's really you know what we're going to end up when we are in the spirit world. It's we're all going to be kind of we're all going to be working. Working is forever in heaven, right? Because if you didn't work, as they said in the spirits book, well, another question was, what is uh, heaven like? And they said, well, if you think it's like the Elysian fields where you do nothing all day for eternity, that would really truly be hell. Because you have to do something. You have to keep your mind right. If, I'm sure some of the people can take beach vacations and lay on the beach for two weeks straight and do nothing. That would drive me absolutely batty. So a middle-class life is really what, you know, you know, oh, you know, our working life, I should say, not middle-class life, is that you should uh, keep striving, helping your community, helping others, and keep working. So I'm lucky that at least they let me have that, right, after what I must have done. I have no other details on that, but that is uh, something that was a great revelation. And so those are things that even just cemented of why I believe in spiritism and other things that happened. But the, and because it's like there was never a... Uh, what I always thought was a false message like, oh, your life's going to be wonderful because you're a spiritist. And by the way, give us money. There's nothing ever like that. It was always like, oh, keep working harder. Come on. You've got a lot to do, right? Be a good soldier. Um, messages like that, which, which reinforces my view of how, of, well, I shouldn't say my view, reinforces what I have learned and that what the books of Chico Xavier has written, almost 500 books, uh, Alan Kardec, Yvonne Pierre, Leon Denis, all great, uh, wonderful spiritist writers. And that's one thing I want to say about spiritism, too. Is spiritism is such that, you know, it's like, you know, in the Bible, God gave, you know, God told these people that's the way it's going to be forever. It's static, not dynamic. No, Spiritism tells us that as we mature as a collective humanity, as we get more technologically advanced, we will be told more and more. So Spiritism is a very dynamic uh, doctrine. Spiritism is not a religion, it's a doctrine. And therefore, we will be continually told more things as we mature. So um, I want to make sure you understand that. So these are the things that have affected me deeply. I understand now that we are on a planet of atonement. And that means that we are, we are watched as, let's say, you would, you would have an elementary school campus where you have to carefully watch the children there because they will do destructive and stupid things. Now, they're all sweet, and you love them all, but there's hellions there, and they have very little moral guidance, and that is really what's happening. We are watched. And I, I talk about this in my book, The Seven Tenths of Spiritism, is that we are watched so much more closely in all the, all the time than, I'm sure a lot of, you know, Good Christians and good Muslims and good Buddhists, they probably realized that much before I ever did. And now I'm catching up. I'm catching up to them. But we are watched and cared over so carefully on a daily basis. And if we would just sit and meditate and watch the signs 
and, and you know, prayer. What I tell people when they want to get into a, um, a more close relationship with their spirit guides, your spirit mentor, with God, supreme intelligence, whatever you wish to call it. I know one spirit just always called the spirituality. I thought that was a good name. Is sit and meditate. At the same time, let's say let's say you do one day a week, at the same time of the week, right? And then you start meditating. Then the spirits know, okay, you are meeting. You're meditating at this time. They know then to come and, and to try and inspire you, give you good thoughts, etc. Same thing we do is recommended is to, on your family, we have this uh, one night a week, just for a half hour with the whole family, the kids there at the table, we take a gospel according to spiritism or other spiritual literature. We talk about it, and then that is that you get that habit. Spirits will be around you and helping. And we put a pitcher of water in the middle of the table, and that water becomes energized, and we all drink some of the water uh, at the end of the meeting. We open with a prayer. We talk about spiritism. We end with a prayer, and it, and and then we, we of course with the children there, we let the conversations go. I mean, you know, you never know what tangents they'll go. And it's always very interesting, and they'll have questions. But it's great, and it really um, helps your family. It helps communication. It it helps you understand what's going on with spiritism and your own life. And it helps you as climb that mountain, right? It helps you achieve that state where you're not buffeted by any ill wind. He's like, well, okay, that's happening. I don't know. What did I do for for that must have been something, but I'll never do it again, right? Because I had kidney stones. That was horrible, and whatever you know, I'll never put anybody through that pain. And that's what you know. That's why we're going through our trials, because it's like the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In our trials, we're having others do unto us as we had done unto others. Now, is that for revenge? No. That is for us to learn and to remove blemishes. This is for us to learn that, well, you know, taking advantage of others and taking all their money and, you know, like having someone work for you and not paying them isn't really a good idea. It's not nice. So uh, maybe next life you can experience that. And so, that's you know, maybe what happens to people is that, you know, you work in a job, someone cheats you out of your money, and it's like, then for yourself, know that, you know what? I'll never do that to anybody because I know what that feels like. That will make you a better person in your next life. And the more you try to learn, and this is what Spiritism tells us, in many books, the more you sacrifice, the more you try and improve yourself on earth, that whatever sacrifice you make is repaid a hundred times in the spirit world. And I believe that because I have been reading about, you know, more and more about the different processes, the different levels of heaven. And um, I've been I've been working on a series of three books for almost two years. Hopefully I'll be done by the end of the year. On the whole books from uh, Beyond the Veil by the Reverend G. Bao. And the life awaiting those who can control their thoughts and control their minds, who can... I mean, you don't even need to do that yet. I mean, but at least you can... You can Get that first step, you know, where your mother says, don't say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can take that step and achieve that, and then if you can go to the next step, and that is control your thoughts, right? 
Don't think malicious gossip, right? When you see that weirdo on the record, don't think, oh, weirdo, why is he there? Just think, oh, okay. You know, or that bum who's sleeping. Don't think, you know, get rid of that bum. Think that poor person has made poor choices. He's going through a really hard trial in his life. He will get better. Maybe in a past life, I too had been a bum, a complete alcoholic. I mean, that's why I know that I never want to drink to excess. You know, I'll drink socially, but I never had uh, the compunction. To, you know, like some people say, oh, I, you know, I like to party. I don't want to drink until I'm drunk. I've never wanted to do that. And that was, um, that was probably an instinct with me in that because of something I went through in the past life. My wife's the same way. We, we never drank to excess, and neither one of us ever smoked, which is, I think I tried one cigarette. It shows you those things just come from previous lives. You know, what they say what is that uh, when you're born, uh, until you're about 15 to 18, you're, you're pretty open, you're, you're moldable by your parents. But then when you're about 15 to 18, your, your spirit personality starts kicking in. And um, your, true, your true personality starts kicking in. Now, hopefully that personality has been softened and improved by a good set of parents. Not everybody has that. And that's, again, another trial selected by the spirit world for you. So it's all very, so it, it helps you. Spiritism helps you so much as far as, as moderating your uh, thoughts. And, and this is the, the other big thing I, I want to say, is that what happens is, is that as you moderate your thoughts and as you, you don't let things affect you as much, your stress levels just decline. It's like people who are really into yoga and meditating, and that helps them and it makes them calm and cooler. Your blood pressure goes down. You know, I haven't had since I found spiritism. My blood pressure, my heart rate, my heart rate. I used to, you know, I remember going to the doctor saying, "Well, you need high blood. You have high blood pressure. You need medicine for that." No, no. This never said no. I have high cholesterol. That's probably genetic. But uh, as far as blood pressure, pulse. I am all just wonderfully normal. And that is because of spiritism for me. Other people can certainly find other ways, but when you relax and when you understand why you are here on the world, it brings calmness. It brings calmness to you. And in every circumstance, no. I mean, I still get excited about things and I get upset. I mean, you know, anybody who watches the news can get upset about anything. But I, I get to the point where I am, it's affecting me less and less. So let's talk about that for a second. Talk about how you see the world. So a lot of people say, oh, the world's a horrible place. We'll never improve. Now, spiritualism says that we will improve. We will improve to a plan of regeneration where there will be more good spirits than ones that are immature, that we will have a lot less hate and envy, uh, that we will have wars between nations. And we will get there because the spirit world has been guiding us to that to that point in time. And I talked a lot about that in my last uh, broadcast. But, so that will happen. But we all are also going on our own little journey, right? So all of us, 
have to not only help each other, help ourselves. And remember, spiritism tells us that our thoughts radiate, everything radiates. We're affected by those people's thoughts. And the more calm and cool and loving we are, the more we affect other people, the more they, they look at us as someone who doesn't get excited about every circumstances, right, doesn't, doesn't lash out. And the more of us that can be that, the more examples we can show other people. That we treat everyone with respect, that we listen to their point of view, even though we may think it's wrong, with respect. And we respect the other person. In fact, you'll see this. The spirit world wants us to learn this because I'm sure a lot of people here listening to me, they've, got been, they've explored uh, near-death experiences. And invariably, not all the time, but many times, uh, a person with a near-death experience will go and they'll have a review of their life. In this review of their life, they will see scenes of their life and they will not only just see them, they will feel. They will feel like they are a part of it. They won't even know what they were thinking. Not only will they know what they were thinking, but they will know what the other person is thinking. There was this NDE by this woman who said she was brought to this, and she was shown what was happening when she was arguing with another woman. And she goes, oh, my God, I could see I hurt her deeply. She just wanted to be loved. She, she was not trying to be mean to me at all. And this is what I'm saying about making good thoughts. We have to understand the perspective of the other person. And they may be wrong, but they may need to learn at their own pace. We cannot change the world. We cannot, you know, be revolutionaries and force people to be what we think is good. That is the typical uh, mistake made by totalitarian regimes, communism, right, fascism, where you are forced to be this, like in Russia, this new Soviet person or in China, right? And of course, who's killed most people in the 20th century? It was communism, right? Because they were forcing you. And if you didn't fit that model, well, we'll just kill you. Well, I certainly feel sorry for the karma for all those people in charge because they will have to answer for that, unfortunately. And instead, they should let people who do not fit the mold make their own mistakes. At one point in time, the earth will become full of model people, full of honest and upright people, and they'll do it on their own basis. Because the spirit realm, most of all, what do they respect about us? Respect our free will. They respect our right to make either smart or dumb decisions, because that's how we learn. Because this is the, this is the beauty of of God. This is the beauty of the whole spirit realm. And I think that we should just thank God every day for what a wonderful environment he's made for us because we could have all been made perfect, right? If, you know, there's a God, there's a, there's a spirituality. Instead of wasting this time, having us going through this chaos, this pain, this suffering, we could have all been perfect, but we would all been the same. So what they have found I believe, this is my interpretation, I could be totally wrong, is that by letting people learn their own on how to become good, kind people by showing them you, by the action of karma, right? Don't you do that with your children? They make a mistake and they say, oh, let's see what this mistake is, right? And they learn that, oh, don't make that mistake. It's like, like a little baby that will, I can remember watching my, my daughter like when she was, you know, two or one or what I can remember, she'd pull her hair, right? 
And she, my wife let her do that a couple times. She said, no, no, don't do that. And then she kept pulling her hair. And then, then my wife pulled her hair and she cried like, oh, my God, what did you do to me? But that was it. That was the same object lesson we're going through now in our lives. What does it feel? When you pull someone's hair, okay, we're going to show you what it feels to have your hair pulled. Very elementary lesson, is it not? But it's one that works. That is why we are here on earth, is to learn those lessons. We are like elementary school kids who are still relatively immature. And in later broadcasts, I'll talk more in the other ones I have on my website more about heaven. Why we why do we want to become mature? Because what is awaiting for us is the power to use our minds. Life in heaven, in the upper region of heaven, is unlike the most fantastic science fiction or fantasy book than you can imagine. Thought is action. That is why. We gotta learn to keep our mouth shut, and we gotta learn to start controlling our thoughts. If you can start doing that here on Earth, you will be in much better shape when you go back and be humble and to learn what you need to learn in the spirit world. It is a wonderful thing. I want to go through the also the spirit world. It's not all serious and working all the time. There's play, there's action, and in fact. I wanted to go through it before I end this thing. There was uh, in the book, Understanding Spiritual and Mental Health by Devaldo Franco. And his book documented the lecture he gave in the United States. And at the end of the lecture, he told a story of a conversation he had with the spirit. And this is what he said. He goes, and then the spirit told me a joke. So there's jokes in the spirit. Spirit tells jokes, he said. He said that several spirits were having a conversation, and one of them told the story of a soul who went to God and asked, Lord, I have no idea what eternity means. For example, a billion years, how much time is that in the clock of eternity? And God answered, a billion years, one second. Then the soul asked, and Lord, one billion dollars, how much is that worth to you? And God answered, a billion dollars, one cent. Then the soul asked God, Lord, could you spare me one cent? And God answered, wait, I'll give it to you in just a second. It's not particularly extremely funny, but it is humorous. In fact, I went to um, another joke. I probably won't tell this right. Uh, actually, I, don't, I know I won't tell it right. But anyway, there was a joke told uh, when, um, uh, when I went to a healing center in Rio Novo in Minas Gerais, which is close, a state close to the state of Rio de Janeiro. And uh, Juris, uh, this one person goes to the healing center all the time, and the spirits actually know him, and they, they tell him they tell him jokes. And, and so uh, the, the the healer there was doing this. He says, oh, yeah, one of the spirits told me to tell you a joke. He says, oh, he did? He goes, yes. He says, and, and he goes, he goes, when the bull goes up to the mountains, um, the female bulls disperse. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't sound like much of a joke, but that was a joke. Kind of, I probably said it wrong. I apologize already to the spirit who said that joke. Uh, but that was a joke that was told through the healer. It said, no, the spirit wants me to tell you a joke. So you would be surprised at how close the spirits are to us. And and again, I, I just want to tell everybody that, you know, learn about spiritism. Look up Alan Kardec. Look at the PDFs. You don't have to spend anything. It will be worth 
your time. Go to my site, NW Spirits, right there in the logo, up this way, up there in the logo, nwspiritism.com, and read read the books I recommend. And all my articles, I footnote everything. You go down, if you're, you see a quote that's interests you, go down and see what book it's from. Go buy that book. A lot of times you can find it on PDF. Leon Denis, almost all his books are in PDF. I love you, Leon Denis. Uh, Yvonne Pierre. She only, no, there's only two of her books in English, which is... She writes in Portuguese. I wish there was more. Cause, I mean, her book, Memoirs of a Suicide, just fantastic. Of course, all of Chico's books, have, although I love the Andre Luis series of books. You can look up Andre, A-N-D-R-E, Luis, L-U-I-Z. In my blog site, when you're interested about something... Uh, put in like Henri Luis in the search and you'll find any blog about that and I also have the list of his books by orders like still two books that are not translated into English yet. But if you're interested in anything, look at that search site. Put in a question or just put in some keywords actually probably a better idea and you'll be amazed at what you will find. I've been doing that blog for quite a few years and all, you know, I just want to say is uh, before I end is that spiritism has Changed my life. Maybe a much happier person. I'm happy with my circumstance. I'm, I don't get uh, buffeted by uh, ill winds as much as I used to. I'm not I mean, we're perfect. I, I don't love people enough. Uh, I'm still, you know, selfish many, many times. I still have too much pride. Uh, I'm not anywhere where I want to be, but I think I'm better than I was, right? So, that's all I one can I can hope for. I'm just I'm sure most of the people out here are doing much better than I am. But anyway, I want to just say thank you, everybody. I'm going to do the last uh, ending ending radio on the on a radio blog, and I want to thank everyone who's listening to me or will listen to me later on. And again, God bless everyone. I would like to thank everyone for listening to our program on Kardak Radio and to point you in the direction to find more information about the spirit world around us. You can visit my blog at www.nwspiritism.com. Again, that is www.nw, as in Northwest, spiritism.com. And if you are ever in the Northwest, I certainly would welcome to have you come to our meeting on Bainbridge Island near Seattle in the state of Washington. Many blessings to all of you, and please continue to explore spiritism and the spirit world around us.